Hello you hams and pineapples, all good here and we have a new episode. This is not episode 30 as we mentioned briefly in the podcast but it is episode 28. I am completely lost on what's going wrong and what's happening but we have Ash back for a long um, original style podcast. We talk about an all manner of things. He is up for the day. We're talking about uh, the Colson Archery company that we have started. Um, we mention Elon Musk an awful lot in terms of SpaceX and Tesla. Um, and I've got my phone buzzing and beeping off a, little, a lot as well. So I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, it is Ash back again. We will carry on with the interviews as well, but hopefully we can drop in a few of the regular um, Ash and myself podcasts to keep us going as well. So until then, I will leave you with the dulcet and sultry tones of Chris, myself, and Ashley Callan. Thank you very much, guys, and I shall see you next episode. Hey, Ash, how are you doing? I'm not bad. Yourself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a very, very, a very artificial polite, intro, wasn't it? polite introduction. How are you doing? Yeah, I've been here for the last seven hours and I'm doing good. Yeah, how was your drive down yesterday? All good? Uh, no, it's horrendous. Yeah. Cra- crashes, accidents, delays, traffic, too many people. Too many people it's in the country. Too, too small a space. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, I'll tell you what you should do. You should go to Canada. I tell you what, I think I might, <laughs> I think I might do that. Whereabouts in Canada are we allowed to get to? Yes, actually, thirty days away. Thirty days. Yes. So thirty days, and you're I'll go there for just under six months. Yeah. Okay, and the plan so, is yeah. to get a job while you're out there, and that increases your. Um, well, well, yeah, for... I've, I've had I've had like a couple of job offers and things already, but it's just it's just to get them a bit more concrete and just to just to be out there and try and. It's all very well trying to get. Just make just make sure, yeah. Like I, I did say that I'd take some time off once um, once my little boy had come along. So yeah. he's fourteen weeks tomorrow. Oh yeah, we should tonight. probably do a catch-up, because we haven't done... The last podcast was a long time ago. Actually, the last podcast was before Colson. I've had a child, uh, so yeah, it was a little while ago. A lot of stuff has happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, go for it. You've had, you've had a... So I had a little boy, Lance, um, 20, was it, 24th of July. Yeah, so he's 14, 14 weeks old tomorrow. How, how heavy for the baby fanatics out there? Well, he, he was 6.13 when he was born, but he's put on like steadily almost a pound a week. Um, is that good? Uh, well, no, sorry, probably a pound. Where well, he, he was, he put on three pounds over the last four weeks. So he's he's gone up and down, had growth yeah. spurts and flattened out. But yeah, he's, he's in the sort of he's above the seventy fifth, eightieth percentile for weight or for weight and height. Yeah, so he's okay. he's a big he's a big boy. Yeah, he wasn't when he was born, but he, he just steadily put on weight. So, okay. um, but, but he's all the squats he's doing. Well, is it, he's exclusively <laughs> is he exclusively breastfed? I think he Siobhan does like. Um, like baby led breastfeed so if he's hungry he he just feeds and stuff we don't really have like a set routine yeah that's a, that's a baby um, like, that's one of the one of the things that you yeah. kind of hear a lot of um, whereas my well, one of the things that I hear a lot of is that yeah. um, parents going oh you should feed your baby in this time so, well, well, no, well baby, my, baby feed and sleep yeah I mean my brother's twins uh, uh, yeah his wife was obviously he was still working and stuff and uh, she, because she had twins she sort of got them in a proper regimented routine from from when they were just you know th- it was time their time to feed their time to feed you know so um uh, be interesting just to see a difference in sort of growth or yeah. but i mean then again genetics has a massive part to play in growth and, and things like that yeah he's um, not going to be very tall then is he no he might be he might be <laughs> yeah 
We were, t- we were talking earlier, weren't we? And your you mum said you were a metre or two years old. Yeah, which I've, I've read that whatever height you are at two years old, is you just double it and that's how tall you're going to be as an adult. So which you're works for nearly me. six foot six. Yeah. Basically, so basically I was three foot three. So he's got two years to go. I was about a foot. Yeah. You're still about a foot. No, I'm, I'm about 5'8". <laughs> I think that used to be a spread. Well, not 5'8". Oh, yeah. Yeah, 5'8". Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, well, I suppose that, that's sort of average for a lot of people, isn't it? But I don't know whether it is average anymore. I think people are a little bit taller. Like I don't that. know. I think it is, you know. But average. I think it is. I, I mean, I've, I've got... A, I know a couple of people that are... I've got a mate Paul. He's, he must be 5'6". Yeah, I think, I I think the average... Uh, well, I'm trying to think... about six foot. I'm trying to think whether uh, it was on it was on TV a while ago. The tallest, the tallest country was something like Ukraine for ladies. So I need to, obviously I need to go. Isn't to Isn't it Ukraine. Holland or something for blokes? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's either Holland or Denmark. Yeah, that's, yeah, I've heard that for blokes, where the average was like five foot ten or something, and then women in Ukraine were five foot nine on average, which is, uh, is tall, yeah. tall in terms of average height. It was something, something like that. Yeah. Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> no, Chernobyl. That's what it is. Yeah, green, yeah. green three-eyed fish everywhere. So, did we? Did we started Colson. We haven't started Colson. No. Yeah. We haven't started Colson so because I looked at the last podcast before I did because I did uh, an interview with Ryan, uh, which was the last episode, uh, well, the last two-parter. So this is episode thirty, um, and I looked at the last episode that we recorded, and we were still talking about Archer's MOA. That's right. So we, so yeah, so we started start a new Coulson. company called Colson Archery. We still trade under Archers and Related, yeah. but we started a new company called Colson Archery because we wanted to do um, uh, CNC machine parts, releases, sites, those sorts of things. Yeah. And I, I do remember we actually... Started with a, we started with the um, release. Yeah. But I, I do remember you saying... Um, to me, when we started Archers MOA in the yes. Times papers, yeah. oh, yeah, eventually we'll do stabilizers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah of course we will. I, I was dubious, I, I didn't tell you that, but I, I was dubious that we'd ever do, I didn't think I remember you telling me to do it. But then I, then I started to try and um, learn some 3D CAD design and things on, on, the, on my laptop. It's so, like you say, it's um, so easily it, accessible now. Yeah, it is. And I found a program called Fusion 360, which is you know, it's free to what use. What was the first one you used? I used that to use SketchUp, which is an online. Yeah, online that was one. the online one, wasn't it? That was the first. Yeah. That was cool. that was quite easy and intuitive to use. I tried a few others, but Fusion is the one that's I've sort of stuck with because it's advanced enough for us to do what we need to do. But I don't need to, I don't need to simulate you know, like you know fluid dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> I, we just don't need to do that with with the stuff that we. Yeah, we're not do. SpaceX yet. No, so um, so then we started that. So we've uh, I've been having a, having a ton of fun just learning how to use CAD. Yeah. And I've been having a ton of fun going. No, that's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, which you do need, otherwise you just you just get you miss things. Yeah, completely. No, um, we do have a good. We do have a good. Um... So yeah, so so I was trying to, I was trying to do uh, an archery release. Um, so for those who know, no, release aid is something that clips onto the string, and you you use it with modern compound bows normally. Just allows you to pull a string back without pinching your fingers or you know there's a lot yeah. of force on a compound bow. Yeah. And then you can release the release of the string is the same every single time. It's very yeah. uniform, so you just get a lot more accurate. So it takes away the human error a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, it's like you say, it's it's very it's pretty pretty difficult to pull a compound bow because of the string angle. Uh, yeah, especially the, the short the axle. To axle. Yeah. If you've got a longer bow, so you have a lot of finger pinch on that. Yeah. Um, so we started to design some of those. But yeah, we come up with some quite novel ideas. So we're quite close to production, but it's taken. 
I don't know. I, sometimes I think it's taken a lot longer than it should have taken, but then to, then other times I think actually we've done it quite quick because I've never had this. I, I've never manufactured anything before, so I've got no experience on it. Yeah, and I think we've done well. I mean, quite this, well. the this wrist strap was a, a massive like head yeah. scratcher. It's we turned like, out where... that the, actually the wrist strap, so the leather wrist strap that goes around the wrist and that connects the one type of release uh, at least um, to the bow uh, or to the string has been more effort to get done yeah. than the actual metal machine part because you because we were the, we, we started off in that so we've got the release aid if you go on to Colson com, you can have a look at it uh, and I urge you to because it's cool but um, the, the release aid is strapped to a wrist strap which then goes around your wrist pretty much like a watch strap yeah like a buckle um, yeah just, just like a leather buckled uh, strap that goes around and um the CNC part, uh, we were like, yeah, okay, well, we'll just go to a CNC place for that. That's easy. We'll design it and send it to a CNC place. And we had a little bit of a conversation with a couple of them. Um, uh, but the wrist strap was like, well, where on earth are we going to get a wrist strap done? Who, who, who does leather yeah. working? Wrist- we're thinking of belt makers or yeah, belt and bag you know, makers do they do and upholsterers. Do this? And just didn't have a clue. It's a, very um, si- it's a very simple thing. I mean, if you notice, it's basically just a, a piece of V-shaped leather with with some buckle holes on it and a buckle on the other end and then a, a webbing attachment for the actual yeah. metal release and that's yeah, so simple it. but not, where do you get it not manufactured um, yeah. and it's that it's that it's that step to the professionalism of like well we can make it ourselves it's dead easy to make ourselves there's a bit of leather and a strap but do, we don't want to be making yeah. 50 of them yeah. and then 100 of them so you want to make it look as good as you can um, but fortunately we found a guy who isn't in this country? Um, to, to well, it's not for one of looking. We did. I mean, yeah, we did we, look. We have. <laughs> we just yeah. could not find anybody that was reliable enough, or, or that could just could could do it. I, d- I don't know. It's, we, some, it's yeah, difficult I, to search for. I was saying to you earlier, it's, you can't. Sometimes you just can't give money away. You can't give yeah. business away. People just don't. Well, that's don't almost a downside to the internet because you're searching for it, and you just get so much uh, commercial. Um, consumer-based products of like so so for instance we we were trying to find or I was trying to find uh, somewhere that we could get some transfers done so that we can stick them on stick Colson logo onto things mm-hmm. um, and obviously you Google transfer uh, make custom transfer decals or whatever and you just come up with all these Vista print have a sticker have 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 fifty stickers for three pounds but they're just stickers they're not transfers we need transfers so where where do you find Transfer companies and <laughs> the, internet, like the, the internet's almost detrimental not... to finding things like that now. Um, yeah, so you, have where... you have to be even skilled at trying to find yeah stuff. It's, you know, yeah, I to... remember when we were trying to find a spring for the first time. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's like where do you what, what spring yeah. do we want? I don't even know what it is. And then so, you know, somewhat yeah, you know, we know what we know sort of what spring rate we want and what what diameters you know why we need to use and and. Um, the internal diameter and all the rest of it, and some some sites you can search using those parameters. Some sites you yeah. can't. And we yeah. found we found one yeah. that was like, yes, we can make whatever spring you like, and we were like, excellent, yeah, here we are. Can you how how much for this? And we're like, oh yeah, five pounds per spring. And then we finally found some that were like fifteen p each or something off the shelf, and we just yeah. kind of adjusted the design to fit that. So it's been really interesting. Yeah, it's very yeah, yeah really interesting the thing, journey. Yeah, I mean, we've only got sort of. A couple of moving parts and, and it's it's quite a simple mechanism but it's still for release it's quite sophisticated sophisticated i suppose but there, there's the design relies on the spring width and spring rate and all and all the rest of it and it's 
you have to try and find a spring that fits with that and then yep. design it around that and you can't finish it into you know um, so it's been an experience but we're close to it now aren't we? we're so we're close we're just about to so order close. just about to order 50 of the we've finalised the design on one of the releases um, tell you what the community's been really nice as well to see what kind of reaction it's had kind of sending it out on obviously we've been only been promoting it on Facebook and Twitter and things but yeah the reaction and feedback that we've had from from the artery community has been because we've not any we've not got really any real good. promo pictures or videos or, or or anything of it in action or no anything like this so once we actually get the physical product I think it, it will become a lot easier yeah. because you can just photograph it video it um, yeah. explain it to people yeah um, you can get feedback well, that, on it. That, that one, as soon as we had the, because we we've had five prototypes or pre-production prototypes built or machined uh, and I photographed that and put that up and then I think we videoed you shooting one and I yeah. put that on the thread. Works very well. Facebook yeah, thread. We made, we made lots everybody of design changes. Was, but, um, everybody was really impressed with that. So, yeah, fantastic. So that's... That's Colson. What a, that's Colson Artery. ColsonArtery.com yeah. Go and have a look and uh, give us a follow on Facebook and stuff. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is, is up. I think for some reason the, the square pace, Squarespace payment didn't go through last month, so oh, it was not? down for like a day. I didn't spot that. It should, it should be up. Yeah. We don't, if we, yeah, we don't check it every day. I spend most of my time on the on the Fusion yeah. design software. Yeah, but as soon as, like you say, as soon as, as soon as we get something final and, and finished in our hands, we'll be posting about it and videoing about it. And you've just got a GoPro so you can yeah yeah, that'd be quite handy. yeah yeah Siobhan got us a GoPro for stick it onto the, well, on the so. bow as you're firing yeah well I thought I could just do videos and close up videos of me actually going you know just my hands or something just going yeah. through the release showing different parts yeah that'd be quite good because there's, there's very there's very few actually companies that do like close up videos or ex- explanation videos and there just doesn't seem to be any there's not a lot of resources a company releases a product and it's just like yeah just out there yeah. and, and there's no you know, it's almost you're almost relying on the shop um, and the salesman to understand how to shoot it. Yeah, it's almost like a black art. It's like that, a yeah. sort of secret that's passed on. It's like, it's like why, there's no need for it to be like that, especially with the internet. Curiously, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Tim Ferriss, and he was chatting to um, a guy DHH who's done Ruby on Rails, um, the the um, coding platform, and he was saying that he wanted to get into archery for years and years and years, uh, and an American. Olympic archer told him to read a book about back tension. It's like how to how to shoot archery using back tension, and apparently that got him hooked on archery, mm. um, which was an interesting um, interesting listen. Seeing as our release is, well, it's not taking away from back tension because you, you always need back back tension to to shoot the bow, but um, that process is what makes the hinge releases less um, accessible for the majority of archers. Is that right? Well, it's, the back uh, tension process. It's, there, are, there are some pure like back tension releases. That, uh, so black art. Um, they, use, they use the phrase back tension for a lot of different releases, but it's... it's um, so in terms of like your ha- the release, really said that you hold in your hand like a cartridge revolution, because I've got a cartridge revolution as well. They, you pull to full draw, and then you, you, when you're ready to, to fire, you release the safety, and you just keep pulling back. Yeah. So you apply back tension, and you, you you just increase the tension on the release, and then there's a mechanism inside that that springs that fires when the release senses that it's yeah you know, when when the spring fires, when it gets to a certain poundage uh, of, of pulling weight. Um, so that's a pure back tension release, and a hinge release um, 
it just won't, it won't fire unless the release itself rotates. Yeah. That's what's called a hinge release. Yeah. Um, so you can fire it using back tension, or you can... But the back tension is there to supply the support almost, isn't it, on the, on the draw? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they're, they're, but then there's got this guy's like Levi Morgan, who's a very, very successful 3D shooter in the States and a hunter. Um, very, very accurate, as, as far as I can tell. I mean, he's, he's up there, you know, over the years. Um, he didn't use any back tension. He, he's a rotation of the hand or squeezing the hand closed. Yeah. That's the way I was, I was, I was shooting hinge releases. Um, and I find, I find as well with back tension that the thing that I found was that um, uh, because you're exerting force just keeping the bow drawn anyway, yeah. any more force that you start to exert will, will introduce movement into the shot. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you, you can be the strongest person on the planet. If you've got to increase your muscular force, you're going to introduce smaller tremors in there. It yeah. happens, you know. Yeah. And your sight picture starts to move around, it, you know, however small it, it has to happen. So, um, uh, and then you've got the problem of you, 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 as you shoot, you get more and more fatigue. So the more arrows you put down range, the more it feels like you've got to apply more and more force to get the release to fire. You're not because the mechanism fires yeah. Yeah. the same, same, time same poundage time, all, all the, the time. Yeah, the whole point. Um, yeah, so we thought, we, yeah, we've, we've got a couple of ideas. I've got an idea for a release that it's handheld that fires when you squeeze it closed, but it, it can only move a very small amount. So it would, I wanted it to feel like you're, you've got a very nice shaped pebble in your hand and you draw, you settle into your anchor point and you, you're aiming on the target and you just squeeze, it will feel like you squeeze your hand just harder. Yeah. So there's not really any, any movement. Um, so we haven't tested that mechanism yet. I've, I've, I've got it on the CAD program. So, um, so that, was, that was one of the things that we wanted to mention as well, the 3D printing in terms of rapid prototyping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that has been, been an absolute godsend. Yeah, um, especially because our our designs seem to be changing daily. Well, yeah. So if you go, if anyone listening, if you go on three D hubs, so the number three D hubs dot com, uh, with no spaces or underscores or anything, um, it will put you in. You can upload a three D print a three D printable file, and then it it puts you in touch with people that are, you know, in your location or yeah, you know, even up to thousands of miles away. Yeah. and you can choose from all different materials. Um, PLA, nor plastics, uh, resin, um, carbon fibre reinforced resin. Um, I don't even know metals. how that, how that's printed. How do you print carbon fibre reinforced? No idea. No idea. That'd be really interesting. Actually, I'd be really interested to see how that works. But it's great because yeah, I, I can order a guy I use, um, Mark's herb. I order from him. A couple of days later, I have the the physical parts. You know, one to one. Yeah. Scale. That was to be honest. That hand. was the, one of the biggest things. Uh, that we were struggling with kind of starting off it was like oh it would be really good because I remember having a conversation with you it was like when we got that first one CNC and the, yeah. it was all revolved around it will be really nice to actually get this in our hands and have a look at it yeah. and now we're doing it regularly like daily yeah. daily uh, 3D prints are, are arriving because yeah. when, you, when you see it on a uh, I don't know if any of the listeners have, have used um, sort of CAD software some of you might have done um, but when you see it, I mean, even on like a small sort of 17 inch laptop screen, everything looks much bigger and it's yeah. impossible to get an idea of how the thing will actually look in 3D. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll zoom out and I'll scale it and I'll put a ruler up to the screen yep. and just make, okay, that's that side, just rotate it around. But it's just not the same as having it in your hand. Yeah. And sometimes even if you simulate it on the, on the software, you can't get an idea of how it's actually going to behave yeah you, you just because we've got we've got a saying. tiny bit of um uh, i don't know what you call it as it as that as that string hook is rotating on our final final product there's a tiny bit of uh, it um it hits doesn't it when it's when it's turning around it hits that, yeah. that, that spring mount um but it's so 
when you do it on the 3D program, it's like you rotate it around and bang, it hits it because it's it's there and it's glaringly obvious. But because you zoomed in like 200 percent, and this this it's actually only like two mil high, very yeah, very it's, small. It's, it's nothing. And yeah. When it when the spring string hook actually rotates, it's it's barely noticeable when yeah. it gets well, all the way around. The, the string probably the strings left the, yeah. the hook probably. I know thirty degrees before yeah. before it gets to that position. So and then you've got the spring that returns the hook anyway. So yeah, it's you can get very blinkered, I suppose. But three yeah, three D printing is is um, crazy. Fantastic. When I was watching a, um, I was watching the Koenigsegg, um, uh, videos, and he was showing a, he's showing a, a, a steering wheel that had printed in PLA plastic. Yeah. He says I, I sanded this down and stuff, and we, we we made some adjustments until we were happy with it. Then we laser scanned it back in to the to the computer. Did another three D print and just did that a few times. In an afternoon, they get they go from having a CAD designed initial prototype to having a fu- fully yeah we're happy with that shape and size yeah. and design and all that stuff. Yeah, because I mean Kearney's are insane. I mean they're, they're, it works for them because they're doing such low volumes of stuff, so they tend to three D print an awful lot of it. So they're they're like pedal boxes and things. They're all three D printed in titanium and they check them. Uh, and obviously the same same thing. They make the tweaks. Melt down the titanium, put it back in the three D printer, and print another one. It's, yeah, it's just it's, constant, constant prototyping. It's been an absolute godsend. It's insane stuff. Yeah, we're especially we're, with carbon fiber reinforced stuff now. We, we were thinking of doing um, the handheld releases because some of the parts, uh, as long as it's over sort of two mil, I think it was, it was two mil, three, three mil, mil, three mil, three mil. They can they can layer carbon fiber into the into the layer, so you can you can just, and it says. Is it 20 stronger times, weight to weight by um, twenty times stronger weight to weight or weight weight strength to weight ratio? It's higher than aluminium. It's high. It's yeah. twenty times higher than aluminium. No, yeah. that's right. It was twenty four times and twenty seven times stiffer and stronger than ABS plastic, but that's yeah. still pretty strong. Yeah. But then obviously it's it's a higher strength to weight ratio than aluminium. Yeah. So it might not be as strong as aluminium, but it's near enough there. Yeah. And for prototypes and stuff, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. And it's much, much cheaper than getting it CNC machined. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. And if the finish is, like I say, if the finish is quite cool on that, it'd be uh, interesting to see if you could... It would be interesting to see if the finish is production standard um, and whether you could whether you could ship it. Yeah, or whether the cost would go down if you got more printed, which yeah. I don't know. I don't that's think the case. I do actually. I would imagine because that's a very. It's not like you need to set up the tooling. You just press go. So three yeah. D printing is just time. time. Yeah, material and time. So it'd be interesting to see. It might drop a tiny bit. Um, but with that sort of stuff, you could you could get it printed without the axle holes. So we've got two axles on our our release. Mm. Um, one that holds the moon and one that holds a string hook, and then the relationship between those two um, determines whether the string hook is going to let the string go or not. Um, so those those two holes, we could blank those off and then drill them afterwards. Anyway, let's, let's buy yeah, the we could do actually. Yeah, let's buy the buy. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I suppose the important thing is that is this manufacturing is just getting. Yeah, I've got no experience of it. You've got no experience of it, more or less. I mean, even though you've done a lot more sort of machine work and engineering type stuff I might have um, but it's just the internet and just the technology these days just make, make it so that you know you can learn a, a CAD program and it's it's yeah for, for you know, all you've got to do is invest a little bit of time um, and we've been able to you know, talk, talk to a few engineering companies and stuff get get understand the tolerance 
yeah. laws and yeah. stuff, and then that's it. You, you know, that's been really good. That's been really helpful. Even sitting down with my brother-in-law and just kind of going through and mm. okay, well, you might want to check the tolerances here and this tolerance and yeah, mm. it was, that was it's been, it's been a journey. Yeah. So what, did you do anything different? No, nah, I probably wouldn't. I, I love it. I don't think I need to change anything different. Don't I? Don't think we need to do anything different. No. From where we from where we started to where we got to. Well, you, I'd I'd find the wrist strap supplier quicker. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only thing with, the, with this with well, that, that was, type of release. That was really strap. Yeah. With a handheld, you, we can have sort of the handheld completely contained, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because it's just it's all it's all you know the supplies for the axles and things are already there, um, any springs or anything, and then you just use one one manufacturer. Obviously, eventually we want to try and have a little machine shop if it's if it's economical to do so. Um, but then I guess you then I guess you can. Yeah, I guess you could do your own prototypes then out of CNC, and it'd be a lot cheaper because you're paying for the you're paying for yeah. the time, maybe. Yeah, um, possibly. I get. I mean, I guess that you know companies like Carter and Scott, you know, they must do, they must do that. I mean, they're not. I don't know, you know. Yeah, they they sure. would make no the prototypes. I'm, sure. I'm sure they would. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean they've been going years. They, so would they be paying a machinist to do it. I don't know. Oh yeah, because I mean, I, I because if you're if you've got million or something, if so. you've got a CNC machine in house. And you want to do a prototype, you've got to stop producing. You've got to stop production to make a prototype. I wouldn't have thought they're going 24 7, though. Possibly not. Possibly not. I don't know. I've got I no idea. I, I can't, it's yeah. quite difficult to find it'll numbers. Be, of, of it'll be interesting to see anyway when we get So we're going to have. We're getting 50 bade. Yeah. You're going to take. I'm going to try and take 10 to Canada, yeah. So if you have any orders from the States or whatever, I can just post them instead yeah. of getting, getting them posted from the UK because that's just crazy. Crazy cost. And then once once those fifty are done, we're going to do the hinge hinge, yeah, hinge release. It's just, it's just a few releases so, at first, isn't it? We've yeah, because um, we want to make some changes to the stabilizer. Um, stabilizer things slightly. So that's a, again, it's the same same thing with the wrist straps. Where do you go to find? Because the, the function of them is, is I mean, I've been running the prototype stabilizer now for a, for a while, and the function is just perfect. Yeah. Right, it's not. It's not. It's not 100 yet, and so but the function is absolutely perfect. So it's just the aesthetics and the production and, and making sure that's up to up to standard and everything. But it, it's the function is absolutely, yeah. absolutely perfect. You know I mean? Well, it's, we had a couple of comments that actually that's the stabilizer I want because it hasn't got the dampener on the front, and I've never understood why it's had. Why well, they've had dampers on the front? Yeah. So we've got kind of got rid of it, and we've had. Well, I was talking to a that, lot of, that guy uh, Sam. He, he emailed me. He said, he said, uh, "He said the trend seems to be going towards thinner and thinner stabilizers that can still take a lot of weight without deflection." Yeah. Um, so that might be something to look into as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Just to just to reduce the the cross section of the area, so there's not as much. Yeah. If you're shooting outside, less wind and things. And uh, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, sense. you're talking a few. You're talking a few mil difference, but I suppose yeah. that that area all adds up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's where that's where the R and D goes into. Because um, yeah. I've got a friend of mine who does carbon fibre car rigs uh, for photography. So um, you attach a carbon fibre pole to a car and then hang a camera off the end of it, and then you can move and you can do the action shots that you see on the internet. Um, mm. And he's been developing that um, rigidity in the carbon fibre. So he's got the um, he's like interlaced the carbon fibre with titanium to see if that does anything and little wow. things like that. Um, carbotanium. Yeah, carbotanium, but literally. <laughs> And um, so yeah, he's done lots of R and D on that, and he's now got the stiffest um, carbon fibre poles for uh, car camera rigs in the world, which is good. Um, but then his are 
two inches wide, two inches diameter, which is way, way bigger and way fatter than anything we want. Yeah. And obviously they're going over nine metres, some of them, nine, nine, wow. uh, what's the longest one it does, 50, is it 50 metres or nine metres? I think nine metres is... 15, no, 15. 15. Wow. I think I think nine meters is his longest one. Um, but then another friend of mine's got a sixty foot one. It's all about carbon fibre. I know, change subject. Did you see the carbon fibre tank that SpaceX have done? Tank carbon fibre fuel tank. Have you not seen that fuel tank? Have I not shown you? No, I've not seen that. Okay, amuse, your, amuse yourselves. Just uh, while I look this up. So SpaceX have decided that they're going to go to Mars, which is awesome. Yeah, some, some people going to... must have seen this. Yeah, <laughs> and. They're going to make a carbon fi- carbon fiber fuel tank. Yeah. Um, Are we going to watch a carbon fiber fuel tank video on the podcast? No, no, no. I'm just I'm just getting a picture. You, just, oh, so okay. you can, just so you can see the scale of it. It's 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 nutty. Yeah, nice and silence. This works on the. Oh my! Oh my word! So this guy's Okay, this, what can they search for? Because that's insane. Uh, just put SpaceX carbon fuel tank and then you, you just go to the images and you'll see loads. There's, there's one where there's sort of five people standing, a guy in a red jumper. Uh, it must be... Oh, I've six foot. It looks the size of a house. Oh, I, I, I don't even know how, I don't how to measure that. I mean, it, it's, it's that's, huge. It's the obviously the first one of its type. That's larger than a house. So that's, that's insane. 12 metre. So it's 12 metres. Yeah. So that 12 metre diameter? And Celidus, love it. They it must be, yeah, yeah, yeah it, must be, it must be 12 metres diameter, yeah. Because I know that the actual rocket itself is, is 14 or something. Yeah, 14 metres diameter. Wow. Yeah, so me, I mean, Chris wise but I, I mean, me especially, just become obsessed with, obsessed with Elon Musk over the last... Yeah, me as well. Months, you know, yeah. yeah just because he's Ash, the... Ash can't take all the credit, because... I'm it's just a top lesson that uh, well we were just watching the solar the, 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 uh, the Tesla solar, roof. solar panels yeah solar roofs which just uh, which the, the talk what, I a love, day ago one day ago yeah I love the, the the idea that he's got of this is the best way forward therefore we need to make this best way forward the only way that's financially viable because so the, the the one thing that he said about the um, the tiles, it's like we need to make a solar yeah, yeah, tile. Solar panel tiles. Yeah, solar. So he's he's, he's designed and, and building solar panel tiles, but to make them viable in the current state of the world, the solar panel tiles need to be cheaper than a clay tile. <laughs> yeah, cheaper, stronger, and generate electricity. Yeah, cheaper, stronger. Yeah, so they haven't gone with like so, normal solar panels like you see on no, the houses. <laughs> They've actually made the tiles that you'd make a nice roof out of. Into a solar panel, yeah, which is just awesome it's like because glass, then they, then they scale printed. to any size roof, and you can you, you can use I don't know a small house might only need two hundred of them or something, but it's a small house, so it's it's and then the viewing viewing angle to the tile depends uh, determines whether you see a tile or whether you see a solar panel. So if you're looking at it from completely perpendicular, completely so ninety the degrees, yeah, the sun's yeah. viewpoint, it looks like a solar panel. But the more acute angle that you get, so from the street, so if you're looking from the tile. street, it looks like a tile. It's insane, yeah. and it's cheaper, cheaper than a normal tile. And if you can get it cheaper, stronger, and creates electricity than a normal tile, then the question has to be asked: Is why would you put anything else on your roof? Because even if it was the same price or slightly more, even if it's sl- even exactly. say ten percent more expensive, why would you put anything else on your roof? Because it generates electricity. And I love the fact that he then comes out and says fourteen million roofs. 
every year on the, are put on new roofs every year in the States. So at some point... Yeah, it was a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 14, 14 million, and then it was... Was it 20 million more over the world or something? No, I think he said 20 times... He 20, said, 20, said in a certain 20, number, then it was 20 times that worldwide. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that was the one. So it was 14 million... 14 million new roofs every year in the United States. It's like it's it's like with um, I don't, I don't you, I think people like that are quite rare. Like with the because you you photographed and drove that Tesla Model S yes. a couple of weeks ago or a week ago or so, yeah. and you were just blown away by it. And the guy that owns it is blown away by yeah. it. And you just think, why didn't somebody do this before? Because electric motor is like what 90 plus percent efficient. And that's the thing that I said. All when, talk all the time. You know that the the. the Power band or whatever is just a straight line. <laughs> it's just it's just instant so, power. It's insane. Yeah, I know that I know I've had things with batteries and stuff. You just think why why has no one done it before? Well, we were watching we were watching the the roof thing, and I said I said I can't decide whether I'm in awe of the guy, of, in awe of Elon Musk for doing it, or angry at everybody else that nobody's done it before. Yeah, because it's so. It's so sensible. And obviously, there's there's, there's hundreds of engineers behind it, but I suppose it needs someone to have the vision and to have the this is what we're doing foresight to go right. It needs to be like this because and in in all um, respect to him, it's got to be so difficult in the current social media world to be able to actually push things forward because you've got the media going, oh, this has happened, like the Tesla crash, the first Tesla crash. Yeah, where the um, the autopilot um, killed drove somebody into a bus or a lorry or something. Yeah. Um, and obviously the media, social media got hold of that oh Tesla are killing people now but the way he came out and said no this is what we're trying to do we're trying to do autonomous uh, autonomous vehicles we expect every million miles to have a fatality that's what was it 20 times I think, more I think now they're, at the moment their autopilot is twice as safe as a, as a human driver yeah yeah. But I mean, I, don't, I think that's just like highway. I think it's just for highway yeah. driving and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I suppose most accidents don't happen on the highway, do they? Or on the motorway? Yeah, they? most accidents are around um, urban. Just, yeah, just country country lanes or, or just you know, corners yeah. and stuff. Yeah, crazy. It's such a such a. I'll tell you what. The one of the most impressive things about it was the fit and finish when you actually got in there, um, and it's such an alien. Well, not really alien because I I like all my old cars. And now there's no middle there's no middle no, channel, is there? What's no, that like? It's flat. It's com- it's completely flat. That's that's what it's it's alien in terms of that, but not particularly for me because I like my older cars and the older cars are very open anyway. Yeah. Whereas the newer car you get, the more encapsulated and cocooned you feel when you're in the driving position, particularly things like BMWs and the new BMWs where everything the 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 scuttle and the dashboard and the centre console are all pulled out. What's the scuttle? The scuttle is the uh, the bit in front of the uh, at the bottom of the uh, windscreen. Oh, okay. So That's right at the bottom of the windscreen, it, it pulls up. Oh, okay. So everything's pulled up around you, so that so that you're cocooned and everything's at your fingertips, sort of thing. But then this Tesla, everything was just pushed away. Fab, uh, and then with a huge laptop screen in the centre. <laughs> what would you like to do, sir? Would you like to uh, increase the ride height by one millimeter? There we go. Click. Just drag a little. So you knew that you can. Yeah. 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 It's got air ride on it completely, so you can just select the suspension and just drag, like touchscreen, drag the drag the car higher. Because when you think when you think about it, it's like <laughs> we've lived in a digital world for like a long time. Yeah. I suppose since like two thousand and seven or whatever, when the iPhone was out, and maybe even longer if you if you, you know, consider the internet was around before then. You just think what uh, you know, and it just updates wirelessly over the net, and they yeah. just get you know. They the can improve the car's function. I even heard them talking. You patch, you patch the car. You download a you download a patch to the car, and it updates it. Yeah, 
gets more like more more not fuel efficient. And but. again, it's the, it's Elon Musk's kind of um, his approach of you know when he did the what was his landing uh, what's the landing craft called the Dragon the Dragon, the dragon so V2 he did now, he did yeah. the Dragon V two launch and he went and got in it and he said this is what the this is what the pilot's going to see and he pulled down like the big touchscreen thing he was like because yeah. why wouldn't you have a touchscreen in a spacecraft yeah <laughs> it's like exactly it just looks why cool. wouldn't you yeah. We've got the technology. And they, three, they 3D have print those Draco engines. Oh, you know, out of Inconel. It's, oh. it's just... Yeah, and it's, it's the attitude. It's, it's like the... the it's all the almost pedantic obviousness of what yeah. he's saying. So he said, you know, he said, when you, when you see aliens on sci-fi films, he says, they don't crash land into the ocean with parachutes. He says they land in Central Park or something on thrusters. Yeah. He says, so why wouldn't you do that? You yeah. Know? Because, like I said, so the, the 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 dragon B two can land anywhere on Earth. We just we come back to Earth. And we just land. But even the the so, the rockets of the landing at the moment back onto um, what what's the thing called? I'm uh, sorry, I'm sorry. The, we st- I still love you or something. Yeah, like the barge. Yeah, yeah the barge. Yeah. The barge of the name. I still love you. Well, they have had, they've had a couple of crashes. Yeah, they've had a few days landing. Watching it, looks... it land, even though it's like we are we're used to it. Yeah, even though we are used to it in the sci-fi films, watching it land is so alien because we're used to like things just oh yeah, the only way we can get things from space is to crash land them into the sea. Yeah. Just watching it come down and land and the thrusters and it slows down, it's a huge massive rocket. Mm. And it just lands nice and neatly, powers off. <laughs> it's, it's I think for me is what I admire most is the analytical nature of, of his uh, uh of his mindset so with the Mars talk if you, you know if any listener if you've not seen it yet just go on I think if you go on SpaceX's YouTube channel they've got they've got the talk on there and they cut out the, um, the ridiculous Q&A at the end of it oh, the question the questions people are asking at the end of that you, you think right this is obviously going on a bit of a tangent you think if we do if we do get to Mars and stuff and they, they'll, they'll take it all back and that talk that yeah. he did is like will be Set in history, set in stone, is like yeah. this was the, this was the vision and stuff. Yeah, and you know, then right? you had people. And then you're gonna get they're gonna name check these people that asked. Oh, um, you know, I went to Burning Man festival and they didn't have adequate toilets and it was just like a shit storm there. What are you gonna do to cope with shit on Mars? And uh, and like a guy plugging his electric like bus company. Yeah. It's just like Jesus Christ. I bet I bet he went backstage and went, "What the fucking hell were you doing?" Why didn't you vet these questions? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because I, I, I was really looking forward to the, like, the technical questions yeah. and stuff. Because yeah. I don't, I don't know of, anything about... A couple of them were thrown out, weren't they? Yeah, but, and I don't know anything about um, you know, rocketry or anything else like that. So I was fascinated. Like, what, what are people going to ask? Are they going to ask about how the carbon fibre process, how they build that, or you know, blah, blah, blah. No one really did. I mean, it was just... You know. But anyway, that's... that's so, yeah, so go on their YouTube channel and watch, watch the thing. But he was saying... Um, he was saying, you know, we need to improve the cost um, by five million five, percent. Five orders of magnitude, doesn't it? Yeah, and so so and people and you just think, well, and then that's, was, that's ridiculous. Like, well, but actually, then he's like, right, well, we can get very simple. Yeah, yeah. We, you get a load. You get out, you know, two and a half orders of magnitude by making it reusable. But you can't get it as reusable as a seven four seven, say, because you you can only fly every sort of two every twenty six months or something yeah, to yeah. Mars. So, but then we can, you know, we get a bit more uh, efficiency out of the. The propellant choice, yeah. Uh, then um, what else? Well, the uh, one, size. The one uh, thing. That, things, yeah. The one thing that I didn't realise is that they use they use one of the rockets to get the um, the capsule with all the people in it into space, yeah. And then take the rocket back down again, and then bring it back up again with more fuel. Well, yeah, with a with because, a fuel tanker, yeah, yeah, with a fuel tanker on it because yeah. it's more efficient to do that. And it's only a single stage as well. Yeah, 
Just rather than, two, rather than two stages, so they don't need to do like a separation or anything yeah. like halfway through. But, um, and the cool thing, like they have 42 engines on the bottom, which I thought that's a bit of an odd number. And then you realise that uh, the answer to the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy question is 42. So that's why <laughs> his reason was, oh, his reason that. was like, oh, you know, it, it gives it gives us some sort of, um, uh, what do you call it, um, like backup, like a, yeah. uh, what's the word? Redundancy. That's it, redundancy, yeah. But it's like, yeah, 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 it is. You, but, know, you, you know, you know damn well, yeah, because he's done the Model S, the Model E, the Model X, the Model yeah. Y, so he's got sexy all trademarked and everything, and he's got a barge cord, I'm sorry, we still love you, out in the middle of the ocean. It's Yeah, it's all done with... He wants to call the first little bit of the heart of gold, cheek. I think. Yes, yeah. yeah I've, I've, that's his favourite book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just... just a, I, I just like his logical... Yeah, reasoning. Yeah. So it's, it's just... Um, what is it? I think he calls it physics first, but like first principles. Oh, okay. You know, it, it, you know it, is is there anything in the laws of physics that makes this impossible? No. Excellent. Okay. Is there a, a, what are the material costs of building a rocket? Oh, okay, it's aluminium and there's some carbon fiber and copper and whatever else. Yeah. What's okay. the biggest thing? If we could wave a wand and get it to get it to assemble, what would it cost in material costs? Well, it's like you know. Uh, a million dollars. Well, why why are rockets like ninety million dollars then? You know, so we need to, we need to try and find eighty nine million dollars of constructing it and do that a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just it's just and very logical. It was thought process, and uh, you know, I've never really thought of things like that before. Um, so yeah, I find myself brilliant. more and more thinking, oh, what would Elon do? What, what how would he approach the, how would he approach the thought process behind what it? What would Brian Tunnel do if he was here right now? I'm sure he would kick an ass or two. That's what Brian Tunnel do. <laughs> Yeah, so what was that? Yeah, so it's mostly SpaceX and Tesla, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I was saying to you earlier on today was that the, the Tesla thing, it's, it'll be another iPhone, but it, I reckon it'll even be even bigger than that because no car company, as far as I know, is doing a, uh, is doing a pu- pursuing a purely electric car like Jaguar Tesla. are trying. But, but but are they building a gigafactory where they're exactly. going to get the batteries from? So everybody who's trying is already like ten years behind Tesla. Yeah. And Tesla, even though Tesla have released everything, it's like here, this is how you make a electric car. I think Elon's come out and said nobody's doing it because it's too difficult. Well, yeah, I think I think Mercedes and they buy electric powertrains from Tesla. From and Tesla. Said, well, the patents there. If they were that easy, they'd just make them. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't buy them. Yeah. You know. And at um, some point, it's going to get to the stage of. Well, we can't supply you because we need them all for Teslas. Yeah, but they're not—they're not building. They're not building these gigafactories and the yeah. and the batteries that can be made. And in it them is. For it's only going to be. Uh, I mean, when the Model Three comes out, um, it's not, they had four hundred thousand pre-orders. You know, no way. Thousand dollars a pop. Wow, that's a lot of money. Four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 they've had 400,000... Oh, right, sorry. That's, oh, my God, yeah. That's, 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 yeah, that's, that, that is a lot of money. Uh, 40 million? That's one, that. Uh, one, two, three... It's too, it's too late for... It's one, two, three, 400, 400 million dollars. Yeah. 400 million dollars. 400 million dollars. So, hang on, that, that's 35... Okay, so... Uh, Well, so that's fourteen billion in potential sales, and if every single one of those goes through, because the cars, the cars going to retail for thirty-five thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Really, thirty-five thousand. That's oh, my word. 
that's just pure that's just how pure can you far. how can you so I suppose in every single say, one of those it's, people it's why wouldn't you why wouldn't you get a Tesla that you can drive from the east coast of America to the west coast of America for free yeah for $35,000 and they've just come out he's just come out with this uh, uh, you know what, was that, what do you call it master plan part de, you know, part two <laughs> where he said that you know your car's only been used for like 5 to 10% of the day mine's probably used even less than that because I don't, I don't drive yeah. to work every day yeah. um, so he says you know when, when you're not driving your car the self-drive feature in the future you'll be able to summon your car to pick you up you'll also be able to send it off to pick other people up and take other people on journeys and earn money from it yeah and then you know you, you would just obviously well, would just that go that anywhere. It would still it'll all be tracked, you know. I suppose yeah. there'll, there'll be some crime. I suppose maybe I, you know. It's, it's, it's but he'll have problem. a figure. If the, if and he'd be able to earn money. If for there the was car. a Q and A that came up on that, and said, "Oh yeah, but what about somebody who comes and steals your car?" It's like, yeah, well we've we thought about that. That would happen like zero point two five percent of the time or something. He'll have it. He'll have an answer for it. Yeah. In the same way as the lady who who jumped up and said, "Why are you only employing Americans?" It's like, well, actually, the government makes it too difficult to, for us to employ Russians didn't or Spanish or Didn't somebody ask him why, why he didn't anything. employ more females or something? It's just like, well, you can't force people to yeah, that was send, their resu- yeah. send their resumes into you're, it. You're welcome to send it in, but we just haven't had yeah. as many females send in. I don't, I mean, know, I don't know why the question comes to It's like saying, oh, why, why don't you get many blokes in in care? Like, like yeah. my missus spent a little bit of time working in like, a care and stuff. Almost exclusively females because it's, yeah. they don't get that many male CVs or people like they do jobs. when, when they did do about they do. Uh, about twenty years ago, they were started to take personality tests for an interview, and they found out that um, it was a compl- uh, actually pretty much a complete waste of time because all the people who applied to be a financial director were a certain sort of people because there was only a certain sort of people who wanted to be a financial director. Yeah. So they all came out with the same personality. So I don't know what. It's like if you want to be a carer, just to try like to like diversity. I don't. I don't, I don't that's what we were going to talk about economics as well, weren't we? So if anybody's listening, if anyone's listening and wants to know more about economics, watch or read anything by Thomas Sowell. He's an African-American economist. Um, he must be about 85 now. He's written well, probably well over 20, 25, 30 books. Um, I started getting to him a, a few a few months ago. And if um, anybody actually wants to learn about economics, send Ashley an email and you can get a free email. Yeah, I started to write a book. I tell you I tell why I started to write a book on economics. It's because I was, I was completely... Just. Do you, want, do you want me to pause the podcast while you were? Uh... Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah, if you just press pause. Right, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. Hello, sweetie. Hello, sweetie. Just quick, because we did it in the middle of a podcast. Phone call finished. Uh, yeah, we're back. Sorry about that. Excellent. That's all right. No worries. I've got to be on call now. I've got like a. I did. I did. Legal. I did press pause. Honest. <laughs> um, what was I just saying? Uh, yeah. So I got. I got really sort of. Just dismayed about all this stuff about um, Thomas Piketty's uh, book Capital in the 21st Century yeah. it did amazingly well and people were raving about it and so I haven't, I haven't read it um, but I read loads of reviews on it I read the read the main points and stuff is that the uh, most unread book what was the most it's, the, unread I, it's the most unread book apparently on, on Kindle because so they can tell because they can track how many pages people get into it right. and, and I think less than 1% of people finished it okay. bought it well it's a long book it is I think the hard the hard, uh, the hardback is like seven hundred pages. It's a yeah. big doorstop of a book, um, but the main argument of that is that uh, inequality is getting worse, which is, which I suppose it's something to be concerned about. So is inequality start, getting worse because we're making a big deal out of it? Well, 
if I okay, I, I, in in the chapter on inequality on in this book I'm writing, I did a simple calculation. Say you're person A and I'm person B. Okay, say in year one you earn twenty five thousand dollars or pounds, and I earn fifty thousand. Yeah. Right. The inequality of income there is $25,000 or pounds. Right? Yeah, yeah. In year two, you double your income and I double my income. Yeah. You are now earning $50,000 and I'm earning 100. Now, the inequality is doubled as well. Yeah. But who cares? You've doubled your income and, and I so have I. <laughs> yeah, the same thing would be true. If you tripled your income and I tripled mine or you quadrupled yours and I quadrupled mine, the inequality is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Of course it is. And that was a, we had a, we had the conversation about economies and what affects it. And if you force up the minimum wage, then if you force up the minimum wage, then uh, for for instance, if you force up the minimum wage for McDonald's, then McDonald's are going to have to do something to to counteract that. So they're going to have to put the prices up for for uh, the food, uh, and everything goes up. So yes, the people working at McDonald's get more money. But then they've got the they same have no more purchasing of, power. Yeah, they don't have any more purchasing power because everything's got more expensive. Yeah. So actually, they're no better off for having more money coming and, in. And I mean, his his book is all. I mean, there's loads of data and stuff like that, and it's it's very well well researched. I mean, it's taken like a, I don't know, it's like a decade's worth of research or something. Yeah. There. It's it's very well researched books. I suppose you'd give it five out of five for for research and content. I suppose. Um, but then the, 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 like, the ways of dealing with it, his suggestions are like an 80% marginal tax rate. No one's going to pay it. Why, why would somebody work a 10-hour day and they only get to keep two hours of that work? No one's going to do it. Yeah. Either, either they're not going to be, they're going to reduce their productivity so that they don't fall into the 80% bracket, yeah. or they'll find certain tax-deductible systems or they'll pay their accountant a shed label money to, to get their money out, yeah. of the, out of the system yeah. or they'll just take the money elsewhere. Yeah. Or instead of the building, you know, if they've got enough money to build a factory in that particular country, they they'll won't. Build it somewhere they'll else. build it you know, abroad yeah. somewhere because they'll have enough money Before to do that. Before they'll take it to Mexico. Um, what else did he recommend as well? Uh, yeah, that's right. He rec- recommended a wealth tax as well. So this is, this is perfect actually because I, I used the example of Elon Musk. So Elon Musk ended up with $180 million dollars uh, after the sale of Zip2 and PayPal. Yep. Now, that was after tax. Yep. If there was a wealth tax, like Thomas Brichetti wanted, right, that would have eaten into it. I, I don't know how, but I don't know what his tax was. I think it was 2% on anything over $5 million. But Musk, Musk was? Uh, no, it's like the, the, the wealth tax. Oh, the wealth tax was like, Don't forget, yeah, a yeah. worldwide wealth tax, right? Yeah. It, so so the, the money just gets redistributed. So in, in terms, they take it from Elon Musk because he's got this much wealth. Because and he then created, gives it to and Africa. Then get, well, no, not to give it to Africa. Just give it, give it to the people that aren't earning as much or aren't as, aren't as productive. So my point was that, that Tesla and SpaceX now employ 25,000 people or so. Yeah. Now, it's a fact that Musk poured every single dollar in, that he had. Every single... He, he poured yeah, $100 million. 50, 50. No, it wasn't 50-50. It was $100 million dollars into SpaceX, $70 million into Tesla, I believe, and then $10 million into Solar City. He's a chairman of that, but he's not. He, right. His cousins... Um, and then spent the a year living on his mate's sofa. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, he was no borrowing money. money off his friends for, for living expenses yeah. because he poured every single dollar. Now, it, you could say that's an extreme version. Yeah, it, it, it is, but he employs 25 thousand people probably even more than that now because yeah. obviously they've got to build these giga factories they've got to build all these tiles yeah i mean you know how, how many people can one person employ um well it's not how many people can one person employ how many people can one person influence their lives off 
So if yeah, you exactly, take the 25,000 yeah. people that he's directly employing, yeah. if you then take that down to, to now, all the orders of magnitude down... In the book I've written that, that if, if Paquetti's wealth tax was in play when Musk came out with his 108 million, well, it wouldn't have been 108 million. So either he would have had to just choose one of these companies, in which case, say, 10,000, 15,000 people don't have a job anymore because the company died yeah. because he didn't have the, they didn't have the personal funds invested. So it's, it's kind of like... Putting limitations I on thought, for the sake of putting limitations. You have to ask what your what your goal as, as a politician or economist is. Either your goal is to for everybody to have the same amount of money, which is obviously always impossible, or it, it's to grow, or it's to give the most number of people the highest standard of living you, you can. The two the two examples that you used in your because you sent me very kindly the um, the ebook of you reading it through which I was absolutely fascinated by I can't remember how many chapters you sent me but it was a, I was just like, yeah, I was sort of narrate, like practicing narrating fantastic yeah, to I do want to do an audio book copy um, but you use Hong Kong and Venezuela as two economies as examples and I didn't even know about the Hong Kong example but that was that's if I'm right that's, that's completely the government have just let it sort itself out and it's now the fastest and it's been the, the highest rated Hong Kong economy got... since well, they, I think 1995 was, I think, the first year that the Index of Economic Freedom was published. So they, they measure a number of things. Um, so how easy it is to start a business, uh, the stability of the economy overall, I think, um, uh, uh, amount of corruption and bribery, um, prosecution rates for the, for the same, all, all the loads and loads of, yeah. of factors. And Hong Kong, I believe, have come top every single year since 1995. Um, they don't have the highest GDP. I think I think that still goes to the states. Does it? I think they still have the highest GDP. I think the states. But they're, they're pretty. GDP. They're pretty. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, I think it's. Um... But their tax rates are very, very simple and clear and low. Um, if you're a foreign investor, you can you can keep 100% of your business. Um, they just get tons and tons of investment. I think they have more skyscrapers per head than New York. Yep. Um, and it, you know, I think sort of 70 years ago, it was just a little fishing village. Yeah. All they did was they go right. We'll have we'll have. Um, uh, private property rights, or you yeah, will promote that. Um, uh, cor- corruption will be really heavily prosecuted. Well, who who decided that then? Did the government decide that? I, I, don't, I don't know enough of the history about it. No. Well, it'd be interesting to find out. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find out. So basically, it's, it's, it's not completely, that. completely free market, but it's probably about it's as close as you close can get. As you can get. Um, and it's you know, very, very open to entrepreneurs because they're the people that create jobs obviously absolutely fascinating yeah and if you obviously if you contrast that you know i know Paquetti was this thomas Paquetti was one of the advisors to the to the french government and stuff but i mean they've had they've had unemployment rate in the double digits in the 10 percent or so for years yeah yeah now i mean I, the united states they were they were going spare when theirs got to like nine percent you know in the, in the crash after the 1930s or in the, or in 1929 1930 so i mean but it but that's what will happen if if you go right we're going to tax millionaires to the hill. Well, then why are they going to invest and build? Businesses? Why are they going to stay in your country? I mean, this is the thing. Why it? are they going to stay in your tax bracket? They will bugger off because exactly, yeah. they're, they're millionaires and they want they they're that sort of people that they want to make money uh, and improve whatever their way of life. Only is, way so you can do just it take it somewhere is else. by employing people. Because yeah. yeah, so say if say if Colson Archery gets gets big enough where where me and you physically don't have enough time in the day to administer to everything. Well, we have to employ people. Yeah, have to. Because there's not enough hours in a day, and we might not have this. Okay, so we need to employ a machinist now. We need to employ a, a canvo. We need to employ uh, uh, someone to answer phones. We need yeah. to employ someone to maintain the website. Or uh, I'm already, you know, I'm already wishing that I had somebody who would be able to do my admin a little bit for my photography. Because I'm putting so much time into 
the admin template. and the, yeah so I can actually then if I had somebody doing that I'd be able to put a lot more percentage of my time into photography and uh, portfolios and going out and shoots and organising all that um, yeah but that's that's the risk and reward what's that worth um, and obviously I can't employ anybody because I can't guarantee um, can't guarantee um, wages for X amount of months but uh, yeah yeah so it just it just got me th- it got me thinking really is it's it, because I suppose a lot of people are just disinter- you know, disinterested in the economy or they think it's boring or and it sort of is you know looking at graphs and stuff like yeah. that so I, did, I didn't want to put any graphs in it I wanted to make it quite uh, oh, you've got to put a Venn diagram in there quite short and succinct work um, <laughs> but just because I thought right can someone like me with no I didn't go to I didn't go to university to study economics can I understand it and can I write, write something yeah. that makes that makes sense yeah it's like with, the, like with the minimum wage thing. I've worked for minimum wage before. And, you know, at, at times I think, oh, you know, I wish I was paid more or, you know, the pastors aren't paying me enough or whatever. But then as I've gotten older, you know, I look back at it now, sort of, you know, five, six years ahead. I didn't deserve it th- Thinking my productivity wasn't enough. No. If it was enough, I could have got a job somewhere else. I'd, I've done exactly the same. And you look back at it and you go, actually, A, it was one of the easiest jobs. And I've said this before, stacking shelves in Tesco's was one of the easiest jobs I've ever done. Because your productivity needs to be next to nothing, and you get paid reasonably well for it because it's minimum wage or whatever. But yeah, but then I started thinking about we. If you apply logic to the situation, you think, well, okay, if raising the minimum wage is good, um, you know, the politicians are trying to help people on the lowest wage. That's admirable. But if we, well, if you follow it to its logical conclusion, why not just pay people a hundred pounds an hour? Yeah. Like, like, why not? That is the lot. If you're going to say a raise the minimum wage is good, well, raise it even more then. Twenty pounds. Why not fifty pounds an hour? Why not seventy-five pounds an hour? Because what would happen? Well, there's very few people on in society that that have one hundred pounds an hour worth of productivity. Yeah. So if you if you say okay, we're going to raise the minimum wage to hundred pounds an hour, you all of a sudden have millions of people that don't have the skills to be paid hundred pounds an hour. So it makes perfect logical sense. That if you raise the minimum wage or have one in the first place, the very people that you're trying to help out, which are low-skilled, low-experienced low people, kids just out of school or kids that didn't get A-levels or school wasn't for them or they weren't academic, they had practical skills but yep. they didn't have the yep. ac- academic skills, whatever, that they all you do is price them out of the job market altogether. You, all you do is, is, is they can't even climb the ladder because they can't even reach the first rung. Yeah. Because they haven't got that amount of the, the, the phrase that I use. Because they they can't get the skills. They can't they can't do this. I mean, it it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, back when I was working in, yeah, it would have been nice to get paid more and stuff. But it, if if I was paid less, I still would have been able to survive. It probably worked out less than minimum wage anyway, because I was I was there. Um, so I was there for sort of two hours in the morning. Had a gap of an hour, another session, gap of two hours. It's not worth me going home. Yeah. So my time's taken up in the in the gym or it, yeah. wherever I was working, um, so it probably did work out at less than minimum wage. Um, See, so yeah, I just wanted to sort of tackle myths and just just silly economic thinking like that. That was um, a really interesting book to listen to. I'm looking forward to to you finishing that one off. Um, I, I mean, it, it's strange that the number of uh, of policies put into play by politicians, yeah, economic policies that do exactly the opposite of what. Um, they're intended to do like with rent control uh, the Jeremy obviously Jeremy Corbyn's back in on the letter but he, <laughs> he was he was thinking that, oh we need to impose rent control well, it does exactly the opposite 
it does exactly the opposite for really simple reasons. Because what happens is that um, the, the owner of the property can't then rent rent out. Or okay, for example, there's there's two or three problems. A, the person that's renting out can't get as much money for it. So what what's what's rent control? So rent, rent control is that they cap the, they cap the price of rent. So say oh, okay. say okay, well in this district or for that house you can't charge more than five hundred pounds a month. Say okay, right. So what happens is me and Siobhan pay about I think we pay six nine five, so seven hundred pounds a month for our place. Okay, so it's a so a small three bed. Uh, I've got an office space. We've got a, a room for room for little aunts um, and a garage. Okay. Yeah. Um, now if 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 rent control is imposed, that might drop to five hundred pounds. Well, we can still afford seven hundred pounds. So there's nothing to stop us from going and getting a, getting a four bed. Well, now that's one bedroom that isn't on the market anymore. Yeah. Because we don't have we don't we've only got one small kid, but I can have an I can have a guitar room, say. Yeah. For the same amount of price. That's what happens. People people <laughs> spend up their limit anyway. Yeah. So bedrooms just get taken off the market. Obviously, because the the landlord's receiving less in rent, there's less there's less incentive them to or they haven't got the money to to upkeep the property well the, so the, the, UK the degradation of the property it? just goes down yeah. so you find it's lower quality housing just just normally UK at the then moment is in a state of well like, then there's, the there's one more thing obviously but there's people obviously landlords buy property to, to rent out to make some make some income yeah now if you're in the in the but rental they buy market that, they buy that property which isn't accessible to people who who want to get on the housing market and maybe can't because they haven't got the thing. So they're making a house accessible to more people by, yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. by renting it as well. I don't, I don't the think... current state is that the government are getting in the way of that as well. Yeah, if, if a person wants to do buy to let to, to earn a profit, over, that they're yeah, yeah, that they want to make some money, but that's yeah. fine. Someone, but a family needs a place to rent. Now, if they can't make any money on that because the, the government have imposed rent control or whatever, or put the put the stamp duty on on a second place like they have. Um, and then, and then they, tax on people the... just won't build private companies just won't build as many houses, yeah. or or they'll build more luxury houses that are that are just sold to to higher income owners because the, a brick doesn't cost any more if it's in a million pound house or a hundred thousand pound house. The material cost is exactly the same. You just use a bit more of it. Yeah, and then you've got three or four reasons there, and and also because they've imposed this. Um, uh, this stamp duty raise. My sister was going to rent her house out and buy another one. Well, now she now she's not she's not bothering, so she just sold her house. Now that's one house, but there's a there's people that are going to move into it. So that's one house now that isn't available for rent. Yep. Because well, she, they, she they've they've ruined they've ruined renting by by if you want to rent two houses out, you now pay a higher tax rate on your profit anyway. It's done. So, so they they put in so many restrictions on renting now as well, and renting is obviously the easiest way onto a property uh, ladder in terms of being able to get out and have your own have your own property and and start start having a house and a home and away, um, and they're, they're putting so many restrictions on that now as well. Yeah, it's they're, like, they're well, done. done. And uh, the, the more that you do that, the less people are going to buy a house to rent out. And therefore, there'll be lots more houses that are out of reach for a first-time buyer, and there'll be loads of houses which just aren't. Like, 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 the, like the government's help to buy scheme, it's a nice idea. Yeah, okay. Oh, you only have to put five percent down. Well, it's exactly the same. That's exactly the same. It's, it's, it's that slippery slope to what happened in in two thousand eight, the, you know, the housing crash that, yeah. that originated in the states. 
you know, you've not got as much money of your own money invested in that property. Yeah. So there's much less incentive for you to ca- carry on paying the mortgage if you get into financial. And you told me to watch that film. What was it? Uh, the Big the, Short. The Big Short. The yeah. Big Short. So I need to watch the Big Short. And and what do you, what do you think it does to house prices? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to. I mean, what? They're, they're not going to stay the same. If the government go, oh, you know, we're going to help people buy houses by by making sure that they've got the they've got the you know the twenty percent. Yeah. As long as they've got five percent, we're going to have twenty percent. What? How, what? Homeowners, builders are just going to you know building construction firms. They're going to keep the house, the price of the house, exactly the same, are they? No, no. of course not. They're going to put it up. Oh, excellent. These guys can afford more now. Like, like with the, um, I, th- I write about universal basic income as well, which has been suggested by, like, like actually being suggested by like Nobel Prize winning economists. So all that says to me is it just means nothing. So UBI is basically a guaranteed income to every citizen. Right. <laughs> so I use the figure of six hundred pounds, right, which right. is or maybe six sixty or seven hundred, which is the amount that I can pay myself through my limited yep. company to get in under the national insurance threshold. Yeah. Um, that would I think it's like. For the UK, it's like two hundred eighty odd billion a year, right? Well, that is that is free money for no for no productivity. Okay, yep. so now ev- every manufacturer, every producer, every service provider in the country knows that every single person has six hundred pounds more disposable income than they yep. had before. So what are they get what are price is going to do? Yeah, exactly the same, are they? No, of course not. I mean, the the, the it, it, it generally generally terrifies me when you think that. that <laughs> People in power uh, seriously consider ideas like that, yeah, and think, oh yeah, it might be a, it might be a good idea. We need to make sure that people uh, can be artists and do do the jobs they want to do. No, well, you can be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can be. Yeah, I'm you a photographer. Have, yeah, you have to do. You have to, yeah, like, like you, I you haven't have had. To, I haven't had a tennis in inverted commas a proper job for the last ten years. Well, exactly. You had you had to work your ass off. Uh, you think do your photography in, in the spare time that you weren't tennis coaching and doing doing everything else. And then when it when it when it's when you got it to a point where you can do it and you can live off it, then you, you go for it. Just like I did with writing and doing, yeah. doing the archery company and all the rest of it. And it's like it's like it, it's uh, it's not just it's not just understand. it wouldn't just cost more than the current welfare system because it would. But I think it's I think I had the figure at um, thirty odd billion more a year. <laughs> I, I mean, and where are they going to get that money? Where is it coming from? I would we'll just, we'll just tax we'll just tax the higher earners. Yeah. Well, then what if they move out the country and there's no jobs for people? To yeah. So they do not think. That's the issue. I, I don't want to get stuck in politics on this one, but that's the issue with the current political climate as well. It's like, yeah, we're gonna we, like the Brexit thing. Oh yeah, we we give we give three hundred million a week to the EU. Yeah. We could put that into the NHS, and then it comes out after Brexit. Oh yeah, we 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 actually can't do that. No, no, we did we didn't actually give the EU that much. It was. How much was it? Was it? I can't remember the figures now. I can't even remember. To be fair, I can't even remember the argument. It was that long ago and that pointlessly annoying. I I mean, it it wasn't. It wasn't the money to me. What annoyed me more was 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 politicians thinking that they they have to do trade deals on people's behalf. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. um, You know, Tony Blair or whoever, or whoever's in power now. I don't even know. Is is it Uh, Theresa May? Theresa May. Yeah. Sorry, Theresa. Can you just uh, can you just handle this transaction for me? Yeah. I was just about to buy something on Amazon from this company in Germany, but I, I don't think I can do it without your help. Yeah. yeah. Can you please step how, in? How much? How much do we need to pay you yeah. to can do? Can you our... step in and advise me? Yeah. 
are ridiculous. Oh, sorry, you know, yeah, me and, I know me, me and Chris have, you know, developed this archery company from scratch and, and learned how to do all these things, learned CAD without anybody's help and all, all this stuff, you yeah. know, done it all I ourselves. Know, I know stuff. we just want to but sell it to a guy we're just, in France. We're just about, to, somebody's just about to click buy. Uh, they, live in, they live in Romania or Australia, you know, we've got a few guys around the world, they want to they click buy, uh, but they're not sure how to do it. Yeah. They want. They want. They've they clicked by. They've, they've put money out. They want account. an eighty well, pound. They want an eighty pound release. So yeah, I, what do I, we do now? Can I send it to them, or do I need to give you some money before I send it? Do I do I do I open my window and oh try my. and throw it to Romania, <laughs> or do I stick it in a, a box and post it to them? How do I do this again? It's mental, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> trade deals, yeah. genius. If you the want EU, the EU have spent six years organising a trade deal with Canada, and now we're going out. We're not going to have a trade deal with Canada. Uh, right, what, so I can't send things to Canada now? Yeah. Well, here's an idea. Just start the fucking Go away. And let people, let, just, us... let people just do it. Because it's just another middleman. Yeah. That is another middleman. And middlemen just make things more expensive. Trade they deal, yeah, paying, you've got to pay customs. They need paying. So I just do zero, like, like Hong Kong, zero percent. Yeah. They, they just go, right, we'll just do zero percent, people can, people can do what they want. Yeah. Because it's in the other country's best interest then to do zero percent as well. Yep. Of course it is. <laughs> it's infuriating. Like, like Thomas Sowell says, yeah. If anyone's listening, go go on YouTube. Just put in Thomas Sowell. It's it's Thomas Sowell. So you spell it the normal way. Then Sowell is S O W E L L, and and learn some um, wit and wisdom. And then they're they're generating generating money to then pay the people who are working in the industry that doesn't need to be there to generate the money. Well, this is the thing. Like the the government go, they say things. Oh, we're gonna um, we're gonna uh, you know inject some stimulus into the economy. Well, where are you going to get the money to do that? Yeah. Oh, um, we'll just raise taxes. Well, what's that going to do? What's that going to impact? Now, now, me and you don't have as much money to put into Colson, so Colson yeah. might, might not get off the ground. Yeah. Cheers, government. So we'll have to go back into working. So, okay, cars. so you raise the tax on me and Chris, right, so we can give the government money so they can stimulate the economy by giving me and Chris money back. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, okay. Let's, let, let, okay, let's, last question. Milton Friedman, what, Milton Friedman is another, he's dead now, but he's another great economist. Um, but just a common sense guy, he he said, uh, no nobody spends somebody else's money as carefully as he spends his own. It's <laughs> a quote to right. that is. Right, we've got, right. lo- we got loads of ones to talk about, haven't we? Yeah, so I've got... Um, right, on about the economy. I've got, yeah. We could end up talking about the economy for hours. Yeah. So, I have some winter projects which I um, have, have talked about in the past. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, this guitar boy is just amazing. Them, one of them is this. So if you want to... If you go on to... Oh, I'm trying to think where my... Where the photo of this is. It's actually on my Instagram. So if you go onto Chris Frossin Instagram, that's F R O S I N, there's a picture of a, uh, a guitar body which I have cut out of a piece of Karina wood. And the idea was it's one of those things, it's like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> so you look at a guitar body and it's like, oh, I could, I could build one of those. So I've got a piece of wood uh, that I found on eBay, uh, drawn, a, drawn a, a guitar body shape on it, cut it out. Uh, and then Ashley's going to advise me on what pickups I need and what electrics I need. But I've got to, so I'm going to shape this over winter. Uh, and you've just got a new one as well, haven't you? Well, like, yeah, a lovely one. I um, yeah, I, I picked it up so cheap. It was um, it's uh, like James Hetfield. But you had to wait. Sorry. You had to part your first one as well, didn't you? Your Frankenstein one. What did you do to that? Oh, well, I put scallops on the fretboard and, and sanded it down and stuff like that. It's a really nice guitar to play. I'm going, I'm going more and more like the way of like cheaper guitars that are just nice. Just There's something about them nice to play. Yeah. 
Because um, you got your Rand, didn't you? Yeah, I got my Rand from Pearl. That's a that's a really really nice guitar. A really beautiful, well guitar. Beautiful. But it's just not thing. as there's just something about it's not quite as nice to play as, as some of the cheaper ones I've had for whatever reason. You know, the fretboard radius or the feel or the scale length or yeah. You know, and obviously I'm not good enough to, to to relate to that yet. But um, no, although, nor am I. But although just, I do yeah. I do understand what you're talking about because I I picked up I went to a car show a while ago. Uh, and myself and three friends took our guitars and we had a bit of a jamming session underneath a, underneath a gazebo on the campsite which was absolutely fantastic fun uh, And but two of them had acoustic guitars and I'm trying to think what one of them was was it a Guild? I think I told you can you remember what they were? Did somebody have like a really expensive one? Yeah somebody had Taylor? I know Taylor no. Anyway, there was there was one there was one that the kid had for years and years and years, and it was just like one that he found at a charity shop almost, and that was really nice to play. And then, oh, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, he had another one, and I played that one, and that was absolutely beautiful to play, really, really. So, but I didn't, I couldn't tell. I suppose you can tell the difference between the tone and everything, but I don't know whether I'll be able to tell the difference between the tone on an electric guitar like you can. I, to be honest, I can't really tell the difference between the tone. I mean, the pickups are responsible for a lot of What it. is it that you can tell the difference between them? Because you, you talk about it's it just, being more... I just think it's just playability sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they have a, like, the strings have a bit more snap in them. And this, this Explorer... I, I did have a white one years ago. Um, and and uh, got, well, I sent it back after a couple of days. It was very, very nice to, to play. But... Um, uh, Siobhan noticed on the back of the headstock they, they hadn't painted it enough and there's like you could see the wood grain yeah. so it's like I'll send, send that back they'll send you another one out you know they should have checked it before it came out of the, out of the factory um, so I went to send it back and they had for a little bit more money you could upgrade and get it's a different model but it was the same sort of shape and it was like a James Hetfield signature model yeah. on um, out metallic and I thought I'll, I'll pay a little bit more money and I'll, I'll get that one um, and it was very very nice but it just did, it just didn't play as nice as the as the previous cheaper one Love, for whatever reason, love, yeah. love to get good enough that I can pick up on. No, I don't. I don't think. So, I don't think it's about being good enough. I mean, well, so you must. You've you've had a lot of cars in your in your life. There yeah. must be some cars that are just the steering wheel's the right height. Yeah, I suppose. The pedals the right distance away. And tell you what, I sat in yesterday. Honestly. Went out on a photo shoot yesterday. I did um, two of the most boring cars I've ever photoshot. Uh, photoshot? <laughs> ever done a photo shoot? It on. is photoshopped. I knew it. <laughs> Freudian slip. It was uh, it was a Rover P5B from 1960 something or other. This isn't the car I want to talk about. Uh, and a Daimler V8, both really dull. The Daimler was marginally nicer, but I photographed them for a magazine. And the editor who I went out with, um, he wasn't particularly enamoured with them either. But um, it was at a classic car place, uh, and obviously you walk in and they've got a big barn. They've got a really really good reputation for only selling really good high end quality. Uh, classic cars so if you want a classic car you go to these guys and uh, you walk in and they've got just there's a big line of Jaguar XK150s XK120s and I'm, I'm a massive fan at the moment of an XK120 I'd love an XK120 soft top drop top um, so once we make loads of money with Colson I'm going to get an XK120 yeah so but uh, or invest in Tesla share yeah uh, yeah invest in a Tesla share <laughs> and then get a 120 with it so and then make an electric electric Jaguar 120 but at the front was the Ferrari Testarossa. Oh, and obviously because we were there uh, and helping them out, they were doing a favour for us and we were doing a favour for them because we were giving them advertising. Um, I just popped the door over and sat in. Now that driving position is stunning because the, the, the steering wheel is more leaned 
away from you than you expect. But as soon as you let go of the steering wheel and your hand drops down, so imagine imagine you're holding a steering wheel now. If your right hand, because we're in England, um, if your right hand drops down and as you let go of the steering wheel, it just drops onto the gear, gear shift. And the, the the seating position, the driving position was just, was just so nice. And uh, the guy I was with, um, I was like, oh yeah, just 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 get in the get in the test roster. I bet you can't even get in it. Um, I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not not a big fan. Uh, they're all right. Ferrari's all right. Anyway, I got in it. It's just yeah, okay. This is I, I can see the mm. I can see the attraction. Once you sit in it, it's yeah, everything's everything's here. Everything feels nice. The, the, the accelerator pedal's in the right place. You're not like just squashed over or anything and pointing the wrong way like you are in some of the newer Jaguars and. Mm. Yeah, it's really nice. Anyway, what was I it? think I think that's, I think that that's the guitar. thing. So if you if you can measure all the okay the steering wheel angle, you yeah, know, the, how far it is away from the back of the seat, all that sort of stuff. I think it's the same with the guitar. You know, so the di- what, what different variables are there on the guitar? The the, the neck thickness, uh, the radius, yeah, and the neck like profile, the radius, um, thickness of the nut, thickness at the at the uh, uh, near the neck pickup. I don't know what that actually. One of the things you were talking about because uh, I've um, scalloped my fretboard as well after you scalloped yours. Yeah, uh, and I asked you whether it was different to your what's the one you've got now, the Evolution, uh, Explorer. Explorer. So you got an Explorer yeah. now, and you said that the frets are actually thicker. Yeah, like but you get jumbo uh, frets. Yeah, um, you get stainless steel frets. That are, I mean, yeah, headstock angle, um, scale length, uh, body shape. So where your where your arm rests in relation to like picking the string and stuff. The the, the, the Explorer just seems very very comfortable for me from okay. the top of the music that I play. Um, yeah, just just that basically. So cool. it's it's um, yeah. Am I allowed to use the quote of "I'm not buying another guitar again"? Oh no, I buy, I buy. <laughs> but I think what I might do, and what I might try and do is is try and look for explorers. Oh, okay. Um, so going to keep your eye out. I thought I I want years and years and years ago when I was at uni and I was I was, I was playing in a band quite regularly. We were talk, we were gigging quite often. You know, you know, maybe three, four, five times a month. Um, there was a Gibson Explorer, uh, and it was um, it looks almost identical to the ones James Hepburn used to play before he went to ESP. So what makes it an Explorer? Is that the just shape like the body, the model? The, yeah, the Explorer. The, it's just called. It's just the body shape. Yeah. Okay. Um, sometimes they have different shaped headstocks. Right. Um, I think ESP uh, used to make an Explorer, but they had to stop using the Explorer name. So I think they decided call them calling them MXs or something or EXPs or something okay. like that. So the Explorer is the shape of it? Or? Yeah, it's been a few lawsuits I think because Gibson were the original sort of owners of the uh, of the body shape, you know. They protect these things quite... Did you hear a few... Uh, sorry, excuse me. But yeah, but that, yeah I, I, there, was a, there was a guitar in there and it, it was it was white originally but it had aged because it was, you know, sort of 20 years old and it, it was like a, uh, like a cream colour. Um... You know, it, because of just the lack of an age through sunlight or just yeah. age or whatever. Um, it was ebony fretboard, dots on there, um, EMG pickups, and it was just like, this is just a, a tone machine. But the type of stuff I played, you know, heavy palm roots and, and note separation and stuff. Um, I, I think it was 600 quid at the time. I just I just did not have did not have the money. Yeah. And I, but I put, I, I thought, right, I got some money coming in from a, from a job I was doing. Um, and I put a little little deposit down on it, but the, the, the I just didn't get as much work as I had expected. And I just had to go back in like a, a couple of weeks later and say, like, I just haven't got the money for it. You just, you just have to put it back on the, you know, on the yeah. rack or something. Yeah. Um, God, if I could track that down, yeah, if I could track that down, I'd have it. But the the the, the actual ESP MX two fifties and MX two twenties, I think they were that 
were made in like the eighties and the nineties and stuff that James Hetfield used to used to play. They go they go for silly money now. Silly what? What silly money? I don't know four or five grand. Wow. Thousand pounds. Okay. Yeah, ten thousand dollars. I don't know. Something like that. It's great. Yeah, crazy money. Um, Jeez. I mean, they're, yeah, they were not necessarily going to be any better to play. They're just they're 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 that money because they're sought after. You know, just like any sort of collector's thing. Um, okay. I just know that yeah, the Explorer shape is just. Yeah, just get on with it basically. Um, so I think I might. But yeah, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't get rid of that one because it was, it was two two hundred and sixty quid. They normally go for like five hundred or something. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember you linking it to me. I thought, yeah, I can't. I can't the pictures, the I pictures can't looked okay. I was like, okay, because I, I, I know you know more about guitars than I do. I was like, okay, there must there must be something. Well, I wasn't about too, this guitar. Yeah, I wasn't too bothered about like the aesthetics of it. He, the guy gave it a nine out of ten. It didn't look like a nine out of ten in the pictures, but it, it, I thought, oh, you just get a clean up and stuff, it'd be fine. Yeah, and, you know, just the action, maybe the frets might need dressing or leveling or something. Um, yeah, nice setup, and it'll be it'll be playing nice, you know. Um, but I got it and cleaned it up. There's not not really a mark on it. Wow, it's, it's, it's a nice. Yeah, nice it looked really good one. when we when we were skyping and you showed me on there through the through the video camera there it looked absolutely spot on really nice looking guitar but you're yeah you're, ne- you're getting a Karina neck yeah I'm Karina hoping to neck. That look, see that looks nice it looks like a it looks like a baked I'm, caramel colour or something doesn't yeah. it it's, it's really nice because obviously I don't know I don't know where I'm going now I, I I know I know enough that I can I know well I know enough that I probably won't be able to make my own neck put it that way um I and from there, from there, it was like, well, what neck do I get? Um, and it was well, uh, obviously, the, the the first thing that kind of comes to mind as soon as I have any any kind of thought like that that goes goes through my head is just to pop on eBay and see what's on eBay because it's the easiest, fast searchable product um, catalog. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. like when we were looking for springs for the Colts and stuff, I was like, oh, I'll just go on eBay and see what springs are at. Okay, there's nothing. That means it's going to be more involved to find. Mm-hmm. And I just had a quick look on it. I was like, I wonder whether, I wonder whether they do Karina necks. Um, and just did a quick Karina guitar neck, and a couple of them popped up. Um, so obviously it's a thing that guitar makers do work with. So I was going to uh, find a good guitar maker and say, could you make me a neck, a Karina neck that is this specification? Yeah, it does look very nice. So, what's the body? That's Karina as well. Karina, yeah, because it's not like got sort of nice black. So yeah, this is it's a it's a Karina it's Karina wood, yeah. but um, the plank that I got um, is sapwood and heartwood. So the sapwood is the the outside wood of a tree, and then the heartwood is obviously the the, the inner the inner wood. And generally, the sapwood is lighter, and the the heartwood is a, a darker color on every single tree. Um, and then obviously the Karina. The sapwood is very, very pale, uh, and the grain's very, very thin. Um, whereas the heartwood is a lovely, darker, rich coffee colour, and the grain is a lot wider and and very mottled. Um, so I found a, I found a really nice piece, and you can see if you look at the end of the guitar as well. You've got the, cool, yeah. you've got the heartwood running through the end of the guitar as well. So that, once it's contoured and everything, should really start to bring the uh, the different parts of the wood through I'm looking forward to hacking away at it sort of thing so that's it a, uh, sanding that down would be a I'm going to plane it I'm going to plane it are you plane it yeah 
Well, they've got the hand sand it to, to finish yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but um, one thing that I'm looking forward to is making the shape just right. So you know how you said your... Um, I keep wanting to say evolution. Your GTR evolution. Epiphone 1984 like. Explorer. Yeah. So you're saying that the, the Explorer is really nice to play in terms of it fits really well. So I was looking forward to kind of sanding down all the parts on the guitar body which don't fit my body shape um, and then making it really really snugly fit and just very very comfortable to play so I'm really looking forward to to attacking this and, and uh, smoothing it down but I'll take as many photos and videos as I can when I'm doing it because yeah I mean I'd like oh, yeah I'd love to do my I think I'd do the same thing I'd make a I'd make a nice body like that and then yeah. leave it raw finish like that or just yeah, totally. maybe, I don't know, wax it or oil it or it. and then um, find a bolt on neck and Definitely. Uh, do it that way. Looking forward. The, the bit that I have no idea what I'm doing about, uh, what I'm going to do is how to mount the bridge and the pickups and the electrics and everything like that. But I know that I need to make some cutouts so I can do the cutouts because you, you, you mark those out and then router them or you drill through them and then, and then carry on cutting. So I know that anything that I need to do on this guitar body, I am able to do because it's just removing wood. Yeah. Um, and removing wood is easy if you take it slowly. Uh, the tricky bit is, is if you remove too much wood, and then you have to kind of go back and adjust. So I know, I mean, the the, the cutting it out took ages because I was really careful with how to cut it out. Um, so I'm just going to take the same approach to everything else and very very carefully cut out all the holes and recesses and and um, gubbins for the pickups and the the electrics and the volume knob. And because I was asking you, so like, well, my guitar that I'm playing at the moment has got three knobs on it. Uh, it's got volume, tone, and got two tones, yeah, two tone knobs, and I'm like, well, what, what's the so point of that? Three single core pickups. You got one in the neck, one in the middle, one at the bridge. Yeah, and then a pickup selector. So they mean they mean nothing to me. That means so I was like, how much of this do I actually need? And you were you were really so good in saying that you probably I mean, need a volume. And... The bridge has a the bridge is better for a bit more attack um, because you normally pick uh, in front of the rear bridge or in yeah. front of the bridge pickup. And then if you switch the neck pickup, the one closest to the yep. to the fretboard, it's a bit more of like a rounded, smooth sound. Um, so then active pickups are a bit more high output. I only ever use the, the bridge pickup. The bridge yeah. pickup, because you want a bit more pop. Yeah, a bit more snappy stuff. Um, but yeah, then you can obviously you can roll the volume back and you can play around with the tone knobs and stuff. And Yeah, I don't I'm not really... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you probably want uh, you know passive pickups. They're not powered by a battery. They're just you know magnet in there. And yeah, a bit lower output and stuff. It's, I mean, but a lot of the a lot of the sound can come from the amp as well. If you turn the gain up on the amp, and you can still get a good crunch sound out of. Out of yeah. it. But then if you roll the gain back, you get a nice clean sound and yeah, you know, plenty of. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what seeing what it looks like. I don't know how long it's going to take me to be honest. Um, so you're going to Canada for six months. Just under yeah, just under six months. So if I could get it done in six months, that would be kind of cool because then you can come back and you can play it and. You can yeah. let me know what you For think. Two weeks and then we're off again. Yeah, well, you can, then you can bugger off. Yeah, and then when I come and visit, I'll bring it over. <laughs> off, yeah. Pack my guitar and take it back over to Canada. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. And those are really nice, yeah. I think I'd probably use Judge Hughes Korean, actually. It looks like a nice wood. Well, it's, it's, very, it's very hence. It must be he as heavy as mahogany. Very, hence. very dense and heavy. It must be as heavy as mahogany, do you think? Or even heavier? Yeah, it's about that. It feels heavier to me, I mean is about that I'll tell you what when it was a when it was the proper big chunk it was the blank um, it was it wasn't half heavy it's a lot lighter now I thought it was going to be too heavy but now it's cut down it looks so small doesn't it uh, 70 pounds 
That's pretty good, isn't it? You and I've got all this left. So I've got uh, some bits left uh, for other projects, and I've actually yeah. cut. Um, if I'm all settled, uh, yeah, depending on where I'm next year, if I'm all settled, that'll be a 2018 or 2017 project, I think. Definitely. It, well, even if it's just to get the body cut and just, yeah. oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing that you do is um, um, you could take it to, a, especially in Canada, you'd be able to find a guy who does woodwork and has a bandsaw, like a, a, um, a standing on the floor bandsaw. So you'd mark it out and you'd just take it to him and he'd go and cut it out for you. I kind of think you. I'd want to do that myself though. Would you? With a hand. You would just hand saw it, yeah. Okay. I did that with a jigsaw. It took a while. Well, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe a jigsaw, yeah. But yeah, jigsaw. But yeah, do it, do, it, do it yourself then. Do anything like that, but... I think because like, the process is half, it's, well, it's yeah, almost it really enjoyment. I think if you get somebody else to do it, yeah. you might just buy off the shelf. In shell. the same way as those little guitar, uh, guitar uh, camera grips that I make. Um, yeah. So one of the offcuts of this Karina wood I've actually made or started to make myself um, a camera grip out of that because um, it should look really nice and I actually sold mine um, somebody wanted to buy mine so I, I ended up selling that and uh, so I've got to make myself a new one so I'm going to make it out of this it's fab it's lovely wood looks really good yeah projects I'd want to have more I'm going to have more and more time to do stuff like that um, which is why, why I thought the move to Canada might, might, might be uh, might be quite good just give us a bit more time to do do stuff like that yeah um, it's actually one of those things where do you spend 80% of your time to get 20% of your life well yeah and, I mean um, Sharon was talking that, that you know, she wants to become a bit more Luddite and you know, use less technology and, uh, or only use technology where yeah, we were talking about this earlier we? only use technology <laughs> yeah, where she right. needs to or, or where, yeah. you know, where we have to um, you know because I think technology is, is yeah, you know, pretty amazing. I think you know, like with the three D printing that we were talking about earlier, that's that can only have arisen with you know, with the internet and and you know the, the progress of technology. Yeah. But I do like the idea of just just having like a nice Sunday, chopping some logs, having a fire, you know, getting some elk out of the freezer that I've hunted, pick some vegetables, blah blah blah. You know, do all that sort of stuff. Um, but then, but then at the same time, then yeah, spend a bit of time on the CAD program and you know, play some guitar. Yeah. You know, Whatever you know, um, make some maple syrup. Oh, yeah, let's <laughs> get some maple, let's get some maple trees. Maple trees, maple trees make maple syrup. Yeah, I don't even know how you do that. I'd be interested to find out how you do that. Yeah, but I mean, so you it, have to put it through a refinery process or something because obviously you get the. I think, I think so. I, I did watch a thing on YouTube about it. It's, it seems fairly so tap the, it tap the tree. Time. Tap the tree, and you, what, you get the do you get the sap out of that, and then yeah. you refine the sap. I think maybe I think it's is it 10 to 1, 10 litres of sap, uh, sap makes like a one litre of syrup. Oh, okay. Depending on how you, um... but yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, there's there's some. There seems to be a lot of land that that is is cheap, especially where we were where we were looking. It's sort of five Fantastic. five or seven acres for oh, so good. Sort of maybe half the price of an average house over, over in the UK. Um, yeah, I know. I know the Canadian government are looking. They're looking to make it much much easier in the in the next few years to to. Uh, uh, they want to increase the number of immigrants by four hundred fifty thousand a year. Every year, wow. for the next five years, they make it a lot easier for self-employed people to to go over. Because the, the dilemma that I have is, I'm self-employed. I've got an income that 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 comes in. I've got new projects that I'm doing. The thing all the is, time, your your is, income isn't location based either. You earn that income wherever no. you live. But there's no there's no method. The Canadian government have no method for me to just go over, relocate my companies from the UK to there, and just start paying tax. 
Yeah. There's no method for me to for me to do that. I, I, I wouldn't take any Canadian job. I would actually employ people because I would need to employ an accountant to do my books. Everybody needs an accountant. Yeah. Everybody needs to submit yep. tax returns over there. Um, if Colson were a little bit bigger and we had a little machine shop, we need a CNC machinist and blah, God knows who. Um, editors, proofreaders, whatever. Yeah. 3D printers. I yeah. need to, you know, Artists um, for cover designs. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's no way at, at the moment of me going over, which is a bit of a shame. So... Um, yeah, I've had to sort of you know, look for job offers and stuff and, and you know, doing what I did previously, which is a bit, it, it makes no sense to me, you know, but, but they, they're just, they're just not set up to take someone like me or you because yeah. it's, it's a yeah. bit, most people are employed and they need some sort of employer and, and, uh, uh, end game. You got to keep your eye on the end game. Yeah. But I know, is, I know the thing that we said about uh, working at, uh, at that gym, you got to have you, you got to have an exit strategy. Otherwise it gets, uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it, it would be great working in the gym again. Because you know, that's, that's the sort of work I'm looking for over there. And I had a few job offers. and well, I've had two job offers. Actually I'm guessing it would be quite nice to um, go back to... Well, moving to New Continent, we won't really know many people. I'll need to, I'll need to make friends. Yeah. I'll, I'll need to... We'll have a lot of stuff to, yeah, we'll have a lot of stuff to learn. And it, it is quite isolating working from home sometimes. I mean, I talk to you on, on Skype a lot and, and things, but often you're, you're out doing your uh, photography every, like loads of places. Um, so it can be quite... You know, even though we do a bit of online training and, t- and answering emails and stuff, it's very uh, like a digital. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah, digital, yeah, virtual, digital virtual interaction, life. and it's um, it, it, you can get a bit stir crazy sometimes. Um, which is why I said to John, if if I do end up doing a lot more work from home, if we if we get to Canada, I'll, I'll maybe have some Be sort nice. of office to actually go to where I actually leave the house, get yeah. in the car, or have my bike, or run, or and go to a little location if I've got so one of the things that um, so this this podcast is coming out after the first interview that I did which was with Ryan so that was a two part interview Um, and that was partly partly because I've got lots of awesome friends like yourself who um, I think have very interesting stories to tell so I think it would be a good idea to, to kind of get those stories out there and then also on the back of that I was trying to be a little bit selfish and say well if I'm going to do this, what can I get out of it? I want to become better, uh, more articulate at asking questions, uh, better at following up questions. I want to take out some verbal tics like going um and so and not quite sure and uh, just being a little bit more um, articulate in terms of how I'm speaking. So maybe you could, when you're going back into that gym environment, maybe you could set yourself some uh, some goals for personal improvement so that you're still winning does that make sense ah yeah so absolutely. even though yeah. Yeah. even though you're going back into gym work after six months if you have i can't, I can't even think of any but if you if you have uh if you want to become better at um uh, better at talking to people straight away sort of thing like cold talking cold calling mm. cold talking and just approaching people maybe you, should, you could set yourself a goal so that after six months you would be more confident at not saying you're not more confident at approaching people. Oh, I think you could always, yeah, of, you always be more confident. That's, out that's of nothing, sort of thing. Therefore, yeah. you are winning, even though you've not gone backwards, but even though you're kind of going back into that environment. Mm. Um, it's part of the reason why, why I wanted to narrate this economics book myself yes. and put it up on on Audible because yeah. it's. Uh, I think when you. Well, there's another reason why we started doing these podcasts. Yeah, I think when you when you. When you write something, you know where the inflections and things are. I know which words I want to stress, yeah, and which ones I don't, um, and the pace. And I always enjoy listening to um, 
uh, Christopher Hitchens audiobooks, even though he wasn't uh, like a traditional narrator, yes, uh, he writes very much how how he speaks, and I like his speaking style. I think he's yeah. a very good, he yeah. was a very good orator, um, and some people some people just are very good. At, at what's talking. his What's his best quick like speech for somebody to go and search for? Because um, I'm the same. I love the way he talks. There's a There's a speech on free speech uh, mm-hmm. that he did in Toronto. It's, I think it's about 20 minutes long, and that's probably one of the best. That's probably one of the best speeches on free speech that I've I've ever heard. So Christopher Hitchens free speech. That's about, Christopher that's Hitchens about free speech. I think he's wearing glasses in it. I believe okay. maybe. And then um, there's another guy um, called Neil Gaiman who uh, is a writer, fiction writer over in America, and he does a commencement speech, uh, and it's called uh, "Make Good Art," and the way he delivers that and his kind of um, uh, de- delivery sort of thing of, of of that speech is is exceptional as well. So. Christopher Hitchens about free yeah. speech and Neil Gaiman make good art make good art is very very good just for listening anyway even like someone like Nigel Farage just a, a very good speaker he pauses in the right places and it's it's you can be talking about anything and it, it's it has a cadence to it he, Hitchens is the master I think but yeah. but there's, there's a few people that are but even are like we were saying about Elon Musk Elon Musk is very halting like, yeah stuttering he's speech. very yeah. stuttery but he's so engaging with it and he's sorry, that, that's one of the verbal things that I want to take away from. It's not and, it's and, uh, and. and uh, maybe that's a Derby thing. Yeah, it's a Derby thing, yeah. Um, thing, thing, yeah. It's Derby thing. Fucking hell. Yeah. So, 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 so Elon, Elon... <laughs> took on the hard G. So I just stood a bit on the side. I saw Tom Hanks on um, uh, some chat show, and he's talking about the. Uh, the the inspiration for the accent in Forrest Gump, oh, yeah. they, the kid that they had playing the kid Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. He said he was from like deep in the Mississippi. And he had a hard G, so he'd, he'd say making and thinking like that. <laughs> so thinking. he copied it. Copied so he, it he said, "Why?" He said, "Why didn't I just why don't, instead of trying to get the kid to talk like me? Because like, like I'll, 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 I'll just spend." He says, "I sat with him for hours and hours, and there's tapes, and I'd sit with him and just ask him questions, and he had a hard G on the end of his." Sentences, oh, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, that kind of that kind of that kind of brings the connotation of well, the connotation the the cadence of stopping after every yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, Elon, Elon Musk is so so engagingly natural. Yeah. In terms of he's not he's not hiding. He's definitely not hiding anything. Although um, you do notice when he gets really passionate and excited about something because it goes back into what you imagine Elon Musk, like an excited Elon Musk would be, and then he yeah. kind of goes back into public speaking mode again. Because I've, I've seen him te- like tear up when someone is asking him about, um, the. this is when SpaceX were first getting started, and yeah. I think uh, uh, some of the astronauts, I know there was Gene Cernan, and I'm sure Neil Armstrong, were, were, were uh, testified before Congress, they didn't think that, that private enterprises should be getting into space and all this sort of stuff. And he, was, he was tearing up, saying, you know, these guys were sort of heroes of mine, and it was pretty, it was pretty tough to hear them sort of say that oh wow stuff like that you know so it's, you know, it's not it's not bullshit with him I, that's no. what I think I like about him the most that's um, it it's so passionate it's, it's, it's quite rare so to find people that uh, that they get up at a shareholders meeting and say well a few years ago we really didn't know what the hell we were doing we didn't really know how to build cars and <laughs> <laughs> right we've got to build a car no, what does that it's, yeah, it's they present such a <laughs> such a front, and they need yeah. to. Oh, I need to be wearing the right suit, and um, yes. the lighting needs to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, this angle. Uh, and 
Yeah, that's why uh, politicians isn't it? It's, it's, uh, and apparently he does, do, he does do a, a, ton of, a ton of actual engineering stuff at SpaceX and turns around to but it's not like he's just oh, he knows an awful doing lot, CEO he? stuff all the time yeah um, there, was, there was that guy who was interrogating him for about well not interrogated but he was asking him questions for about three hours and the guy thought he'd lost his job but it was just Elon Musk wanting to know yeah. what he was working on basically he's I need to know 90% of what you know yeah I need, I, need to, I need to understand what it is that you've, you've found out absolutely brilliant yeah Right, shall we? Uh, to wrap shall we go and make a cup of tea and, and wrap shoot, up? Yeah. And you've got to go. That's been asking me good to your lads. We should yeah, do, do Skype once more. If got time. Yeah, we should try. Definitely. Well, I definitely. think I'll have, a, I'll have a bit. We'll have to try and organise time in Canada. I think, yeah. Because I think uh, either early in the morning or late at like seven in the morning, seven in the evening. Or something, I think it's about eight hours or so behind. Yeah. To try and work out. A well, we did. Um, Ryan's Ryan's interview was three o'clock for his time, ten o'clock my time. So it was three. It was seven hours. Oh, he's in, he's in yeah. Calgary. Yeah, he was three p.m. and we did the interview at ten p.m. here. I think it is cat. Ca- I think it might be one time zone change. I think there is. Oh, is Vancouver, one more? Vancouver's another. Yeah, another hour. Yeah, so you'd be two okay. p.m. and ten p.m. That's not too bad. That was weird. Dri- I took driving from Calgary away to. The- oh, well, I didn't go to. You're driving over. Went to Whistler, so we were nearly there. Yeah, east to west. You do that again soon. You do that again soon. No, we're gonna we're gonna fly from Calgary to um, Kelowna because oh, okay. apparently not. Met. Are you renting it, a car? Oh no, you're buying a car, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We bought one because it was just for six, nearly six months. It's just uh, yeah, buy a car. And our friend, our friend of Judo over there, she recommended. She's like, don't. She's like, you need an SUV with decent clearance for us, because we do get a lot of snow. Yeah, I was like, right, yeah, fantastic. She's like, not even not even experienced <laughs> winter Canadian drivers do do the mountain pass from sort of Calgary over the over because yeah. you know into into Vernon so she's like fly to Clover and then I can come and pick you up and we'll drive drive to Vernon fantastic go from there brilliant right alright spot on thank you very much cool there we go sorted see you next time guys